that she doesn't have any money, that her money's all gone, and she's just roaming the streets. So we talked to the local sheriff. They didn't know where the woman lived. They didn't know anything. They were trying to help her. And these are stories that I hear about that you don't read in the front page of the paper. They're not on the radio. Nobody goes to jail, but it just shows you what your professional law enforcement uh, uh, people, what they do, the extra work they do. And, and I know people say, well, Welcome to the Trump ver- Trump shutdown episode of the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. We are in the midst of the longest shutdown of the U.S. government's uh, essential functions in history. All because of a petulant president and his little tiny ideas about immigration. Um, so uh, the big fight today is about the wall. The wall which will never be built. Uh, there's never going to be a 2,000-mile concrete wall the rest of the time in your life that you live forever. We're never going to have it, uh, first of all, because it's a stupid idea, uh, second, uh, because uh, we can't afford it, uh, and third, because it is not going to stop issues of illegal immigration going forward. So let's talk about some of those issues. We're also going to talk today about what's going on literally as we record the show. Uh, the president, uh, the Congress is installing... An immigration hawk, well, let's call him an anti-immigration hawk, into the office of attorney general. And you're saying, wait a second, I thought Jeff Sessions was gone. Yeah, Jeff Sessions is an amateur compared to Bill Barr. And we're going to talk about that uh, going forward in a minute. But let's go back to the shutdown and the reason for the shutdown. Now, President Trump, and this, this is where it gets really fuzzy about this whole shutdown thing in the wall. When Trump uses the word wall, what exactly is he talking about? When Nancy Pelosi says, we're not going to build that wall, what exactly is she talking about? I think the bigger problem here is I don't think they're using the word the same way. Uh, It reminds me, uh, David, of the movie The Princess Bride. Have you ever seen The Princess Bride, David? It's a really great movie, one of the greatest movies of all time. And in The Princess Bride... Uh, the initial villain in the movie uh, is, um, uh, we call him the Sicilian. Uh, he uh, keeps using the word inconceivable. Inconceivable! And finally, and he just says, keeps says in, in reference to the dread pirate Roberts who is uh, following him and apparently to rescue the princess, um, Princess Buttercup, that he is, he is detaining and kidnapping. And... Uh, Finally, um, Diego Montoya says to him, inconceivable, you keep using that word. I don't think that word means what you think it means. (laughs) So this is what's happened with the wall. President Trump is is using the wall, um, and I don't think he's smart enough to to know what a metaphor is. But I think for him it's a metaphor for border security. Whereas for Nancy Pelosi and the Democrats, they think he's talking about an actual metaphor. Well, now, Trump doesn't help his cause because his tweets are all over the place. Sometimes it's a wall that's pure concrete. Other times it's steel slats that you can cut through. Other times it's border security. So Trump went last year from $1.6 billion, which the Democrats voted for last year, to give to him, but which, he, by the way, he has not spent he has not spent that $1.6 billion. They have not built any section of the wall. And that was prohibited in front of the wall, but he hasn't even spent the $1.6 billion. 
Now he wants five point six or seven billion dollars uh, for the wall. Uh, and Nancy, and he knows that Nancy Pelosi. This is this is uh, really uh, a, you know one of the standard Trump negotiating tactics: ask for the impossible and then settle for what they will give you. And he thinks he's got the upper hand here. He doesn't, but he thinks he's got the upper hand here. Uh, but he keeps using the rhetoric the wall. Whereas Nancy Pelosi is more than happy, as are the Democrats, to give the a Homeland Security folks, you know, two, three, four, five billion dollars for border security. Uh, this is not a question. The, the lie that you get told is that the Democrats were for open borders, and nothing could be further from the truth about Democrats. Um, uh, more Republicans are for open borders than Democrats are. Uh, and you, uh, she, she is willing to spend it, but they want to spend it on actual things that will work, like more border patrol agents, reinforcing the fencing we currently have, um, uh, more immigration judges, which we are woefully short of, um, more uh, funding for technology, an effective means of border enforcement that CBP, Customs and Border Protection, prior to Trump, asked for. Uh, now, if Trump said, you know what, this whole wall thingy, um, I want a wall, uh, but I'm willing to talk to you about border security uh, that helps make the wall more effective. So this, this is a solvable problem. Uh, the bad news for Trump is that he's coming across as the jerk-off that uh, is uh, denying uh, the government from opening up by not compromising, whereas the Democrats are coming off currently smelling like roses. Now, we all know, as we have said on our, my show repeatedly, the Democrats could screw up a one-float parade, and I, it's only a matter of time uh, before they do or say something that shifts that to the, somehow this becomes the Democrats' fault. We're now in day 24 or so of the shutdown. Uh, there appear to be no negotiations lined up uh, to stop the, uh, the, the the stop the shutdown to actually over the government. Uh, even even Lindsey Graham from South Carolina uh, has proposed to Trump, "Hey, just open the government for three weeks, and then that'll give us time to negotiate." Trump said, "No." Uh, Trump likes the idea. Now, here's what maybe you don't know. A senior member of the Trump administration, supposedly, uh, has written an article in uh, one of the leading anti-immigration uh, websites, the Daily Caller, that said that they love the fact, the Trump people love the fact that the government is closed because it gives them a chance to identify all the useless workers that work for the government and how they don't need them. Somebody wrote this. You can go to the Daily Caller and read this crap. Um, and so as long as people have that mentality, it also speaks volumes of the type of people that work for and support Donald Trump that believe stuff like that. Um, but tell that to the people that can't use our national parks. Tell it to the people that can't get assistance in the Small Business Administration uh, to continue their funding for their businesses. Tell that to the people uh, who... Uh, clean up your garbage in the in the public buildings around the country. Tell it to the people that work for ICE. Heck, tell it to the immigration judges who are not currently working. Another part of our episode later today. So the idea that somebody in the Trump administration, and perhaps Trump himself, loves the idea 
that the government is closed so they can identify they can the parts they don't need to work in the government anymore. Um, you got a bigger problem of this all coming about and, 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 and happening because Donald Trump and Nancy Pelosi and uh, the other leadership of the Dems are using the same word differently. If we could focus this, this, this uh, discussion off of the wall and onto border security, then we could actually, I think, come to an agreement really quickly. But Nancy Pelosi does not want to give uh, Donnie a win on his wall, and Donnie doesn't want to look weak to a woman who is running the House of Representatives. So here we sit. Um, and I don't know, I don't have any prediction about when this is going to end. Uh, but sooner or later, uh, what the, the, the representatives and senators are going to return to their home districts. And they're going to get an earful in their town halls about fixing this. Uh, and maybe, actually, the reason uh, that we have uh, this shutdown is because uh, Mitch McConnell is actually abdicating his responsibility as the majority leader of the United States Senate by refusing to have a vote on these bills. Because the question really becomes this. Uh, he, Mitch, Mitch keeps saying, well, if Trump's going to veto it, why should we pass it? Now, David here, he, he has this handy dead constitution, don't you, David? You've got that around somewhere over there, don't you? Um, uh, you don't happen to know the, the, the section in which you'll find the veto power of the Congress in, the, in uh, Section 1, Article 1 of the Constitution, which talks about the Congress. Uh, but Congress has this very unique power uh, specified in Article 1 that uh, should the president veto a bill, as Mitch is so concerned about the president doing, that Congress has this really extraordinary ability to override the president's veto. And to tie that into another immigration uh, factoid from history, and I'm not sure David knows this, David, when our immigration laws were really first rewritten in 1952, did you know that President Harry Truman vetoed the Immigration Nationality Act? Did you know that? You were five years. Well, you may have remembered that at that point. Okay, it was running out of time. So, President Harry Truman vetoed that, and you know what Congress did as a result? They overrode his veto. So, the Immigration Nationality Act exists today because Congress overrode a president's veto. So, what is the stopping them from doing that today? Uh, that's the abdication of responsibility by Mitch McConnell, and maybe. Uh, should Mitch start hearing from people more aggressively about uh, his abdication of congressional authority, his abdication of congressional right, and his abdication of congressional power, uh, simply because he may be afraid of President Trump and things he might say about Mitch, uh, really speaks volumes uh, about where we really are as a country, where the presidential power, the executive branch power has gotten far too big for the britches of the people sitting in the White House. You know what's funny to me is how many uh, Republicans who voted for Trump found – were you able to find the veto power in there, David? What's that? What's that? Article 1 – The veto itself. The veto itself, yeah. No, not the veto itself. The veto – the overriding of the veto in Article 1 from the Congress. Able to find that in there? All right. 
So here, the interesting part about this is if Congress has let the president get too much power, that's exactly what Republicans were complaining about about Obama. Obama's issuing these executive orders here, these executive orders there. Okay. Remember, the Democrats complained about the same thing about Bush. There's even a movie out today, David, uh, about Dick Cheney, the most powerful vice president in U.S. history, purportedly, whose, whose idea was the president is the ultimate authority, the ultimate power uh, in the United States, as opposed to Article One, which, as his first article, purports to believe that Congress, the people, are the most important authority in the United States. And isn't it truly ironic that Republicans who complained about Obama having too much executive authority now simply step back and abdicate that complaint, let that complaint fall by the wayside because the Republican is in the White House who really has no business being there, first of all, and second, who is incapable of properly exercising that authority. Um, And so now Congress, who could rein this in, a Republican Congress is best set, Republican Senate especially, is best fixed to rein in the power of the presidency, particularly through the veto power, and they have failed to do so. And they have failed to do that because they are afraid of what, what happens when Trump doesn't get his wall. Now, here's the other part of this whole shutdown that is literally being ignored by the media, and that is... The shutdown did not start when Nancy Pelosi became Speaker of the House. The shutdown occurred when Paul Ryan, as the Speaker of the House of Representatives, abdicated his responsibility and simply walked away. Now, the this House passed a bill. Um, uh, the House would not vote on the Senate bill that the Senate had passed. And now, oddly enough, that the House has voted on that same bill, the Senate won't vote on it. You tell me who's really at fault here. Uh, This is not a fight about the wall. This is a fight about the power of the presidency and the unwillingness of members of Congress to actually stand up for their rights found in Article I of the Constitution to override a presidential veto. It simply stuns the imagination and every lawyer who went to law school to see Congress just abdicating their abilities here to ensure that we can reopen the government. Because if if Congress, particularly the Senate, really wanted to override, uh, wanted to open the government, the, the Senate would vote on the bill, which was the bill they passed before, and they would simply wait for the president to veto it. And at that point, they would exercise their right in the Constitution uh, to override that presidential veto. Um, and this you will find in Article One, Section 7 of the Constitution. Um, and uh, the veto becomes effective, uh, and the authority to override that veto you will find in Section 7, Article 1 of the Constitution. Um, we are in uh, our first, hour, first break right here. Dave, we'll be back in a second on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, 
Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. Soy Charles Cook, jefe del Grupo de Abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley. Y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. You know, we could spend the whole podcast, David, uh, talking about um, Donald Trump's uh, tweets on immigration. Um, but I don't have that much time to fact check uh, literally all the errors and lies that he intentionally tells. you got to wonder... Besides Fox News, where is the president getting his information? We know he doesn't read. He doesn't read anything. So I imagine he's got the uh, uh, the the what the immigration Iago uh, whispering in his ear. David, are you familiar with uh, Shakespeare at all? Uh, the play Othello. Uh, Othello was this kind of crazy ruler, and uh, the, the whisperer, the guy that kind of drove him there, was a guy named Iago. Okay, so the immigration Iago is Stephen Miller in the White House whispering sweet nothings of anti-immigration hatred into his ear. Um, this is uh, really interesting. In one presidential tweet uh, this last uh, couple days ago, uh, the Royal Don wrote this, 23% of federal inmates are illegal immigrants. Border arrests are up 240%. In the great state of Texas between 2011-2018, there were a total of 292,000 crimes committed by illegal aliens. 539 murders, 32,000 assaults, 3,426 sexual assaults, and 3,000 weapons charges. Democrats, come back! It was the weekend, by the way. It was Saturday. Um, so, yeah, you have to take this, you know, what, what are the facts here? Um, President Trump's figure for the percentage of unauthorized immigrants in federal prisons is exaggerated. Out of the Bureau of the Prison's total inmate population of 183,058 in the first quarter of 2018, 21% were immigrants, both legal and undocumented. At least 13% of the total population, or 23,826, were in the country unlawfully. The immigration status of another 11,608 was under investigation, while 2,608 were lawful immigrants of the United States who had received relief from deportation. The most common crimes committed by these immigrants were drug-related offenses and immigration offenses. That's 46% and 25%. In 
It's worth learning, too, that about half of the arrests made by the federal government are for immigration-related offenses, like illegal reentry after deportation, perhaps explaining the high proportion of immigrants in federal prisons. Um, now, the border arrests. Now, this is interesting. Trump did not give a time frame for his 240% figure, nor did he specify what the number referred to, which may give the misleading impression that the border crossings overall have increased threefold. This is not true. The figure instead refers to a surge in families attempting to cross the border at the southwest border. The number of family units apprehended at the border more than tripled from 8,100 in December 2017 to 27,000 in December 2018. Overwhelming immigration officials, I don't believe that actually, I think they intentionally uh, give that impression, and creating a, quote, new humanitarian crisis. Overall, illegal border crossings have been declining for nearly two decades. And in the 2017 fiscal year, border crossing apprehensions were at their lowest point since 1971 when Richard Nixon was still not considered a criminal. In 2018 fiscal year, annual apparatus did increase by 30% from the previous low of the previous fiscal year. Um, now, Mr. Trump's figures on Texas uh, are accurate, but are out of context. The Texas Department of Public Safety did report that 186,000 unauthorized immigrants booked into local jails over the nine-year period from 2011 to 2018 faced 292,000 charges, so approximately 18,000 people a year. The caveat, these offenses did not necessarily occur during the eight-year time frame. More than half of these charges were uncategorized, and the charges Mr. Trump singled out do not always result in convictions, only 238 for homicide and 13,000 for assault. For comparison, the Department of Public Safety shows that 7.5 million arrests were made during that same period. So out of 7.5 million arrests, they only had 186,000 undocumented immigrants. Uh, murders were 6,161, as opposed to 239 for undocumented immigrants. Um, so it's interesting. The Cato Institute in their study in Texas found that conviction and arrest rates for illegal immigrants were lower than those for native-born Americans for most crimes. So, again, context, uh, you, you literally can I mean, I use the word literally a lot because you have to do that when you're in tr Trump world. You cannot take anything he says at face value because it's either inflated, false, uh, or uh, put in a way that's completely out of context. Um, now, here's an interesting thing, David. Uh, let's say we build the wall. Now, we know that's not physically possible. We're not going to build a wall uh, down the middle of the Rio Grande. David, I know you were a farmer in Texas. Did you have land on the Rio Grande or in the Rio Grande Valley? You were in West Texas, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, now, the Rio Grande Valley starts. Do you know where the Rio Grande Valley starts, by the way? Big Bend. Big Bend, Texas, okay? And goes all the way down to the Gulf of Mexico. That's the Rio Grande Long Valley. Uh, and uh, the, the river, of course, gets wider as it goes down. Uh, it never, it's never huge, but it's bigger than the Chattahoochee, right? Not it's not deep. It's like, kind of like the Chattahoochee then. Maybe a little deep, a little wider. Probably wider, but not as deep. Well, it's not, I can walk across the hooch in front of my house over here. So, um, so it's not a very big river. 
but it served as the border uh, in that part of the country for a lot of years. And, of course, there's parts before you get to Big Bend. There's some parts of the border that are uncrossable because of the mountain ranges and other natural barriers. In Texas, now it's interesting about this, all of Cal- almost all of California, almost all of Arizona, except for a part owned by the Tohono Odom Indians, and the, almost all of New Mexico is government-owned land. So putting a fence there is, okay, the government puts a fence up. That's not the case in Texas, is it? That's all privately held land. Um, virtually 95% is privately held land from the Texas border. And that goes back to the, when Texas was an independent republic. All right, It was not federal land. They didn't cede the federal government their land. It was privately owned. And private land ownership is very, very important in Texas. So if the federal government to build a wall in Texas, they have to do something called eminent domain. So they either have to have a willing buyer, hey, yes, I'm a willing seller, yeah, I'll, I'll sell you my land. Or they have to go to court and to make an offer, or they have to go to court and force the, force the, the sale uh, for public purposes. Um, do you know how many owner, landowners there are on the border of Texas and in Mexico? Thousands. There are thousands. And how many of them are willing to sell their land for a wall? The zero. Exactly zero. So interestingly enough, you have Republicans who despise big government that are all for big government coming in and forcing people to sell land that has been in their, their family typically for generations before the foundation of the republic, I'm talking about the Texas Republic, not the American Republic, um, has been in their families. And now the government is going to come in and take that land away. And worse, put a wall, a fence, etc. on their land that one affects its value because now the rest of the land is not as valuable. You no longer have access to the river. And here's the other part. They don't build the wall in the river. You can't build the wall in the river. Um, so where do you build the wall? You build the wall inland. So on the riverbank? No, no, you can't build on the riverbank either. So you've got to be in. So the reality is you could, people could actually still cross the border, cross the river, and they get to the wall. But they're in America when they cross the wall, as opposed to the California, Arizona, and Mexico. That border wall is actually on the border. Okay, This wall would not be on the border. In fact, there's that very famous photo of the golf. There's a golf course, and I forget if it's near Bing Bend or a little further, a little further uh, east, uh, southeast from there. There's a golf course on the river, and the purported fence is going to go around the golf course, so the golf course will still be on the river. The clubhouse will be behind the wall, and so now you'll be on the wrong side, the quote, the wrong side of the wall, playing golf. This is. This is just one of the many examples of how, how the wall, the, the idea of wall is just stupid. Um, and it's interesting, the, the Border Patrol just took off their website over the weekend their 2005 declaration that we don't need a wall. 2012 declaration, we don't need a wall. We need more funding, we need more agents, etc. Uh, so this, this whole fight again is about, it's, you know what it's like? It's like Seinfeld. It's a show about nothing. This is not a fight about a wall. This is a fight about Trump's campaign promise about a wall, 
which was done so that he would have a pneumatic device in his head to remember to talk about immigration because he wasn't smart enough to give a regular sum speech. And so today we shut the government down over nothing. Nothing. Things that the Democrats are willing to provide, things Republicans are willing, willing to take. Think back to this, David. Remember back in 2013 on our, one of our shows, we went into detail about the agreement in Congress, in the Senate, to pass immigration reform. And part of that, we kind of made fun of it at the time, they were going to spend 50, no, no, $65 billion on border security. Remember, they were going to, talk, they were going to buy helicopters. And each sector of the border had these UE helicopters or Cobra tags, crazy amounts of money on the border, crazy amounts of Border Patrol agents. And, and the Democrats voted for it and Republicans voted for it. Why did they vote for that? Because you hear today, well, the Democrats supported it in the past. Why not support it now? They supported that because in return, we've solved the immigration problem. We got rid of this idea of 11 million undocumented. We had a pathway forward. You know, Trump is not going to sign that. But again, if Congress could pass the Immigration and Nationality Act in 1952 over a presidential veto, why can't we? Let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, abogado y jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Llámenos hoy si usted tiene problemas con inmigración, si ha sido arrestado, si se casó con un ciudadano o tiene una oferta de trabajo. Nosotros le podemos ayudar. También podemos explicar cómo, qué puedes hacer para recibir los beneficios de inmigración. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, 404-816-8611, o visítenos por el internet al www.immigration.net. Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. <laughs> Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Um, so, talking about this idea of the wall, I want to go back to the second. So, David, right now, we have two different types of undocumented crossers. We have people that are coming for asylum from Central America. Uh, even today, Fox News blasted out, New caravan leaves Honduras! Okay, well, okay. Another three or 4,000 people are coming up to seek asylum in the United States. Don't you think it's odd uh, that they're coming when, when things seem so bad? Isn't it kind of weird? Where were these caravans under Obama? Where was the press about people leaving, coming over? Isn't it odd that more of them are coming now than last year? Seems kind of weird to me. If, um, 
if Trump is so awful and and he's so well, he's so great about convincing people not to come, and more of them are coming. There's some there's a, there's something there, I, and I can't explain why. So here's the deal on the southwest border. Uh, the vast majority of people know that are coming because David and Dana are not stupid people. They know one that the trip's going to be like. They know what the reception's going to be in America. Uh, but they also know don't cross the desert illegally. The odd thing about these groups is they are traveling in a caravan, one for safety, and two to try to avoid paying smugglers and uh, getting attacked by narcos. And so that's why they went to California, not Texas, because Texas is much more the southern. The Mexico side across Texas is much more dangerous than the Mexico side uh, on uh, the, near California. So they went to Tijuana. And the vast majority of people are literally going up to the border and knocking. Hey, I want to apply for asylum. And the CBP folks, the Customs Order, they have, they have done what's called metering. We can only take 50 people today, which has never been done before. Um, and really, that's the crisis. The crisis is the Border Patrol and CBP is not properly funded to handle the people applying for asylum. And it is their right to apply for asylum. I was talking to Michelle a couple weeks ago, U.S. Immigration Nationality Law, you are entitled to apply for asylum if you're at a port of entry or you are within the United States regardless of your mode of entry. So the vast majority comes to the door and knock, and that's true up and down the border. But when there's a metering and they get desperate because they've been waiting for two or three weeks to try to apply for asylum, that's when you see them either, quote, rush the border or they hire a coyote to jump the fence. And what's happening when they jump the fence? Did you know, you know, it's been interesting, Dave. You know what they do, Devin? They stand there and wait. Because they're told, look, every, every, the, the, that part of the border is, uh, has great electronics. You touch the ground. Heck, you touch the wall at the border there. Border Patrol is notified, and they send agents out. They just go there and stand there. There's a great picture uh, that I saw over the weekend of a migrant mom uh, uh, on the ground, uh, a, a guy on the wall, and he's passing down the child to the Border Patrol agent. You know, um, so they're forced to come that way. Now, the, here's the weird thing about this wall in Texas. Remember I told you they can't build the wall on the actual border. So people can literally walk across the river, and they're in the United States. Okay. Once you're in the United States, you can apply for asylum. So the, the, the wall is not going to stop them from applying for asylum. They've had the worst part about this, David, and, and I've seen this. When I started practicing immigration law 30 years ago, uh, do you know what it costs to get smuggled across the border? $5, $10, maybe $100 if it was... It was a tough area, 100 bucks. Do you know what it costs today? 7000 is the minimum. And so if you make it harder, what's going to happen to that fee? It's going to go up. So who's getting rich? Our U.S. immigration policies are making the smugglers rich. That's what's happening. And do you think an extra 1000 or 2 or 3 is going to stop people from coming? No, they'll just find a way in. Now, here's the interesting part. I was on a Facebook chat the other day. And uh, a colleague said it's been a long, you know, the, clearly our current enforcement regime is working because he hadn't talked to anybody in five years that had entered after 2012. He didn't talk to anybody who'd entered after 2012. 
you know, you know, we talk to everybody, immigration lawyers. People come in, they want legal advice. Um, you know, we ask them when they came in, they tell us. Um, and that's all attorney-client privilege information. And I had also only occasionally talked to people who had not – everybody I've been talking to come in before 2011, 2010. About two weeks ago, I talked to a guy. I said, when did you get here? He said, I got here in 2017. Wow. You didn't get caught? No. How much did you spend? It cost me $10,000. How did you come in? In a car. I came in a car. I was, I was, he was like, you know, you know, hiding in the trunk or whatever, whatever, whatever crazy stuff they do. People still get in. Well, I'm not going to stop anybody. It just makes the smugglers richer. Um, but if we do a better job of, one, processing people for asylum, now here's, here's the irony of the shutdown. So there are eight government agencies or departments that are shut down. Among those departments, of course, is Homeland Security. Homeland Security is shut down. That's why lines at the airport are a nightmare because that's a TSA uh, works. Yeah, TSA is yeah, Homeland Security or they, or they Treasury, I forget. I think they're, I think they're Homeland Security. Um, and so they're not getting paid. So a lot of them are just not showing up for work. I'm just, <laughs> these, they get paid like 12 bucks an hour, 15 bucks an hour. They're, they're going to go someplace else and get that job. Um, but you know who's specifically not working? <coughs> ICE agents aren't getting paid. Border Patrol agents aren't getting paid. And the judges are not at work. So if unless you're detained, which are considered urgent cases, the judges that hear detained cases are working, but the judges that hear non-detained cases are not working. Non-detained cases total somewhere around about a million and change pending cases. million and change pending right now. Every week that the government is shut down, there's 25,000 people don't have a hearing. So to date... We have had about almost 100,000 people whose hearings have been postponed. Now, when are they going to be postponed to? Well, that's a great question. Because right now, most judges have their calendars full through 2020. I mean, I have people in hearings in 2020. I have people in hearings set for 2021. So this shutdown is going to cause 100,000 people who would normally have their final hearings to not have one for two, three more years. You see the irony here of shutting down the government over immigration and allowing these cases to be delayed that would result in people having to leave the United States. Uh, the irony doesn't escape immigration lawyers. Uh, oddly enough, the one part of immigration that is working uh, is USCIS because it is not funded by user fees. It is, it's not funded by taxes, it's funded by user fees. So they're working, they're interviewing people, they're taking money in, they're doing just fine. But everybody else, it should, and you know the other ironic part of what's shut down, E-Verify. So then if you, if you were to open your wallet and actually hire somebody here, and you wanted to E-Verify them, to verify they were authorized to work in the United States, you couldn't. Sorry, that's shut down too. Uh, so the shutdown is, is clearly... Trump didn't un- obviously didn't understand the consequences of the shutdown. Um, the Democrats are not going to move off of this without Trump at least uttering the magic words. You know what? We're gonna, we're gonna the wall for me is border security. Oh, the wall is border security. Oddly enough, that's what we think the wall is. We think the wall is border security too. Well, we could reopen the government now. Here's five billion dollars for border security, and bam, we're done.
So, David, if you would call the Trump White House, I know you have connections there, and convince them that the wall is a euphemism for border security, I think we can solve this problem. What do you think? Did you make that call for me? Sure, David's going to make that call to the White House for me, so we're going to be in good shape at this point. Um, David, do you know anybody who works at the White House? I do. I know one person works at the White House. Uh, I think he makes coffee. I'm not really quite sure, but uh, <laughs> I know he works at the White House. But he's not working if he's making coffee there. Um, so this, we anticipate that, I mean, hopefully by next show, David, um, we uh, are not talking about the government shutdown anymore. We're talking about the new border, border security bill that's passed. Uh, but the Democrats also have this, David. They're not going to agree to more money without DACA kids getting a path to residency. They're just not. They can't, you know what? They can't. That's their promise they can't back down from. Um, and it's odd. You know, Trump wanted Congress to solve DACA kids, but he won't agree to solving DACA kids. Again, I think you have – there are certain voices of reason in the Senate. Lindsey Graham heads the Judiciary Committee. I think he's more than willing to pass a bill that says, here's the budget. Oh, DACA kids are going to get a path to residency and uh, $5 billion for the wall, 75 new immigration judges. Uh, unless that happens, we could be talking here a month from now about the shutdown and about how the economy is getting affected. Because every week that's closed a billion dollars off the, G, uh, off, off the gross domestic product. So it's going to be, uh, I think, hopefully not a very much longer fight. Uh, if Trump num- Trump's numbers continue to fail to fall, he'll respond to those numbers. He's now down to his lowest approval rating among Republicans since he got elected. Uh, I think that will fall even further. Uh, and I think what it's also going to do is embolden dissent among Republicans. Uh, you already see Kasich out there banging the drum. Uh, there are other Republicans that are kind of voicing their, you know, Trump, Romney's sowing his oats again. Although there's zero chance Romney's going to run for president. That's not going to happen. Kasich is going to run for president. John is going to run. Uh, and uh, I think a challenge to the president would be a good thing. Because every time a Republican president is challenged in a primary, an incumbent is challenged, they lose. You know, they, they win. They might win the nomination, but they lose the general election. Um, especially considering the cast of characters that the Democrats are putting out there right now, um, uh, it's going to be an interesting, interesting fight. David, can we take a little early break because I want to spend the next, the, the final segment, talking about the the prospective new Attorney General Bill Barr and how he is worse on immigration than Jeff Sessions. We'll be back in a minute on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano o tiene problemas con inmigración o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. Hello, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Have you ever wondered what doctors talk about amongst themselves? If you do, join us on the Doctor's Lounge and hear the doctors' conversations amongst themselves. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning, 8 to 9 a.m. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. 
Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to our final segment today on the Immigration Hour, uh, Trump Shutdown Special Edition. Uh, today, uh, uh, Attorney General nominee Bill Barr is beginning his uh, confirmation hearings in the Senate uh, Judiciary Committee, chaired by Lindsey Graham. I was listening to them this morning. Um, it's uh, delightful to hear Lindsey's southern accent in there, and he is certainly more genteel than, uh, than Grassley's gruff demeanor. Uh, Di-Fi said her, said her part, and then... Uh, uh, then we had uh, Orrin Hatch uh, hesitantly, uh, haltingly introduced Bill Barr. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Bill Barr was Attorney General of the United States under George H.W. Bush. George H.W., but oddly enough, he was not part of that H.W. Bush inner circle. He was apart from that. Bush got to know him when they were both working in the CIA. As you know, Bush was head of the CIA. Bill Barr worked in the general counsel's office at the CIA right after he got out of law school. Uh, he was a part-time law student. He went to, law, he went to night, night law school at George Washington University. You know, uh, Kudos to people to study uh, on the job like that. Very, very hard. Uh, but Bill Barr uh, was a, was a hard-line immigration enforcement guy when he was attorney general under Bush. You know, we had Jeff Sessions, and everybody knew that Jeff Sessions was the ultimate anti-immigrant. He was the guy who was hyper-focused on making America inhospitable to immigrants of any kind. If you think Bob Barr is any better than Jeff Sessions, you are dreaming. Bob Barr will fit in Bill Barr. Oh, yeah, Bob Barr. Sorry, Bob Barr. We both know Bob Barr, and so he was the former congressman here and libertarian and actually quite good on immigration issues. Um, but uh, Bill Barr uh, will fit in perfectly with this administration's immigration priorities. Now, David, here's where it gets interesting. Uh, back in, I think it was seven or eight months ago, Bill Barr published an article. <coughs> Let's call it a 20-page article about executive power, condemning the Mueller investigation, and scoffing at the idea that the president could be tried or even investigated for uh, collusion. Okay, he just said it's not possible. His position is uh, that he's a maximalist on presidential power, which, he, which means basically to him, the president is king. The president cannot be charged with the crime. The president cannot be convicted of a crime. The president can direct the attorney general to conduct or not conduct investigations. Bill Barr believes this. How do we know that? Because he wrote it all down in his 20-page memo. Now, some are arguing that that was an audition to be the Attorney General. Well, it absolutely worked. So if he's a maximalist on power, he, he argues that torture is completely legal. He doesn't believe that Congress should restrict a president's power to control independent oversight commissions. He thinks the president hardly needs to consult anybody to engage in acts of war. If he is confirmed, Barr is going to be an enabler to further skirt Congress and through emergency decree or executive action, 
fund a border wall, continue to gut asylum protections, and keep rounding up and detaining, deporting tens of thousands of immigrants. How do we know that? Because he did it before. From 1991, 1993, Barr oversaw immigration policy moves that the Trump administration has already leaned on to implement its agenda. Uh, Before DHS was created, the AG directly oversaw the old INS, uh, the Immigration Naturalization, which included both the Border Patrol and Interior Enforcement that would become ICE. And so we have an unusually clear idea about how Barr could affect policy on the border, in the interior, and in the courts. Uh, For example, throughout the 1980s, Haitians had been detained at Guantanamo Bay in a camp, though they were still ostensibly granted a chance to apply for asylum. After a coup in Haiti in 1991, deposing the country's first democratically elected president, Kishinevs worsened, and tens of thousands of Haitians fled to U.S. shores in hoping to find protection. Many of them were blocked by the coast by Coast Guard cutters and sent directly back to Haiti or interned for a period in Gitmo. While the Department of State deployed agents on the ships to conduct asylum screenings, an overwhelming majority of them were deemed ineligible. In 1992, as conditions in Haiti had hardly improved and many continued to leave the island in an attempt to stem the flow of asylum seekers, Bush issued the Kennebunkport Order from his main vacation home authorizing the Coast Guard to return Haitians with no screening at all. That was authorized by the Attorney General and was ruled constitutional by the Supreme Court in an 8-to-1 decision um, uh, that it was not violative of the non-refoulement provisions of the country. Um, So we know where he stands on asylum. Um, Now, they did this because people were in international waters. If they had reached the shores of the United States, a, a different result probably would have occurred. Um, the second was the chance to apply for asylum was devastating on the island because it was right when the HIV and AIDS decu- epidemic skyrocketed in, in Haiti and thus blocking them from coming here, blocked them from treatment, blocked them from living, and thus literally... Thousands of people died as a result of that decision. Um, interestingly enough, Barr also oversaw an expansion, the first expansion of the Border Patrol and ordered uh, the hiring of 200 criminal investigators to combat immigration and crimes committed by criminal aliens. Uh, his, he actually started the National Criminal Alien Tracking Center, which offered local enforcement a way to identify and track aliens who commit crimes. That was the precedent for the 287G program that was created in 1996. Oddly enough, uh, Bill Barr also blamed the Rodney King riots on immigration. Darren Land, a great reporter, noted um, that um, uh, in a foreshadowing of the Trump's malevolent claims about immigration, he said, look, he, somehow immigrants created the riots that Rodney King was involved in, uh, in in L.A. I mean, it's crazy stuff. Now, here's the thing that, that Sessions has been doing that I think we all, all immigration just waved a sigh, breathed a sigh of relief when he was gone. Because what Sessions was doing was exercising a regulatory authority of the Attorney General under the Immigration Nationality Act to make, to overturn unilaterally decisions of the Board of Immigration Appeals that he didn't agree with. 
Uh, and one of those decisions by the Attorney General Sessions eliminated the right of asylum seekers who were seeking asylum based upon gang violence and because of abuse, of spousal abuse, from applying for asylum. Cases that had been on the books for over a decade. Sessions overturned that decision uh, in a, a case called Matter of AB. That Matter of AB decision was then overturned in a district court decision as violative of the Constitution uh, by a district court judge uh, shortly before Christmas. There are There is at least one other case that has already been selected by the Attorney General, uh, Acting Attorney General Matthew Whitaker, for overturning. And there are likely a dozen other matters uh, that can be overturned that have been put into that have been put into law by decisions of the Board of Immigration Appeals, the experts on immigration law, between 2001 and 2016. Uh, some of those uh, are very commonplace and are used today to help people immigrate legally to America, including one which is used by thousands of people every year called Matter of Arabelli. There is no doubt that Matter of Arabelli will be a target of the current Trump administration for overturning, thus depriving people who legally entered the United States from obtaining an adjustment of status in the United States, uh, even though they are then currently out of status, saying basically that if you enter on an advanced parole, that's considered a legal entry. I believe that that decision will be a target over the next two years of the Trump administration and somebody like Barr, uh, who uh, is more than disposed to overturn decisions of Attorney General based upon his prior experience as the Attorney General of the United States, uh, let alone his um, his um, um, uh, his belief that the U.S. that the President of the United States is basically in charge of everything and cannot be uh, 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 cannot be challenged by Congress. Uh, I will. Uh, I will see if this happens. This is going to be interesting. I, uh, he has said that Mueller will be able to complete his work, which would be a good thing. Um, but he is definitely and undoubtedly an immigration hardliner, uh, undoubtedly. And thus we will see the Sessions enforcement uh, role continue as part of the process. Um, and um, Bob Barr said this in 19, previously. If you come into the United States, no matter how clearly frivolous your claim is, and you set foot in the United States and you're, and you're caught, you can't be put on a plane and sent away I want, and say, I want to claim asylum. He complained about that. That shouldn't be the case. Uh, you should be able to be sent on a plane and sent on your way. And that's what he did with the Haitians. Um, now, the interesting thing uh, about this is that Jeff Sessions, this is an interesting factoid from the examiner, Jeff Sessions hung a portrait of Bill Barr in his conference room to send the message of zero tolerance out to everybody. Um, Barr has also expressed support for Sessions' time as Attorney General, uh, that he did a good job on tightening up the U.S. immigration system. Barr wrote, he, Sessions, attacked the rampant illegality that riddled our immigration system, breaking the record for prosecution of illegal entry cases and increasing by 38% the prosecution of deported immigrants who re-enter the country illegally. Um, so nothing, nothing good as far as immigration is going to come out of Bill Barr becoming Attorney General of the United States. Um, it is uh, going to be the same song uh, with a different orchestra. 
Uh, but we're going to end up getting the same type of person in that White House. It is uh, going to be uh, a um, uh, a fight over him. He'll be, I mean, obviously he's going to be confirmed, right, David? It's going to be confirmed. Uh, but he's going to be confirmed, and he's not, but he's not going to get the unanimous vote that the last time he got as Attorney General of the United States. Um, and... Um, His position on a lot of these immigration issues uh, will become clear. Uh, where he said uh, he said this, for example, in a in a recent interview. Uh, quote: "Let me find it here. The real tragedy is because of accidents of geography. We have people who are not willing to stand in line under the fair system, but come crashing in the back door. We have laws in the books that have to be enforced. Now that's from a long time ago." The people coming today are not, at least the ones at the border, are not coming necessarily because of economics, uh, but are coming because of fear. And it'll be interesting to see if his stance is a little bit different because the immigrants of the first time when he was attorney general were economic migrants, family unification migrants. This is very much an entirely different story. Uh, and it will be interesting to see if, in fact, uh, we get a different turn here. I don't think that's going to happen, David. I think we're going to see uh, enforcement continue. Uh, somebody asked me, David, the other day, um, so, uh, you know, how did you do last year? Were you busy? Were you not busy? Um, and we, of course, had our busiest year ever uh, because nothing's busier than when people are afraid. And Donald Trump has made people afraid. Uh, and some people say, good, they should be afraid. You know, the reality is there's a toll to that. People that have been here now have been here for decades. They have kids that are grown. Uh, fear should be replaced by compassion. And we should have a system in place that recognizes the contributions of those that have been here, put them on the path to legality, and fix this problem once and for all. This is Chuck Cook, your host of the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Till next week, have a great week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200, or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.